you don't need a lot of money to do more with it. Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com slash WHM. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE, SIPC. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and miniskirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. I did not have the ability to think through how I could wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. I just was at the end. I, it's not that I wanted to die, but I couldn't bear the thought of living. I think it's so important for the person out there right now that feels that way. And what's so interesting, Elijah reaches that place. He's laying down, collapsed. He has nothing left to give. Mm -hmm. He wants to give up, basically. Mm -hmm. And God sends his angels to him to attend to him and tells him to eat, drink, and rest. And he simply says these words. You can look it up in the story of Elijah. He says, the journey is too much for you. Now, that's important because that's not what we've been told when we hear the cliche, God never gives you more than yeah. you can handle. Mm -hmm. That's a load of garbage. Yeah, it's he just totally garbage. gives you more than you can handle. <laughs> okay? Totally. I've had more than I can handle more than once. Mm -hmm. And to hear God say, the journey is too much for you. I mm -hmm. think that's so important for those of you who are listening, who are at your end. There are days that the journey is going to be too much for you. But mm -hmm. guess what? God never sleeps. The Bible says he never slumbers and sleeps. You can rest and let him do the work. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Michelle, welcome to Sheep. Hey there. How are you? It's so good to finally meet you. Yes, on, you <laughs> as I told you before we started recording, we passed online, yes. but you know how online is. It's yes. so wonderful to actually have one-on-one -on -one time. I know. I'm so thankful. And I'm just so looking forward to this conversation. I know it's going to be so encouraging. I just know your story is so powerful. So I'd love if you can share that maybe to kind of kickstart us. Can you just share a little of your story as a cancer survivor and an, a foster to adopt mom and kind of what led you to write your book, A Faith That Will Not Fail? Because yes. that's kind of the theme I want Absolutely. to talk about. Absolutely. I grew up in the house of faith. And so that's been kind of a strong thread throughout my story. Mm -hmm. Ironically, my parents did not. They became Christians when I was about six months old. Mm -hmm. And so faith has been part of my story. However, I would say it was very much an untried faith until mm -hmm. I got into my 20s and 30s. And mm -hmm. I was a mom of boys uh, and sent my boys to school one day. It was about 8.30 in the morning, just an ordinary day. In fact, mm -hmm. it was a Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, and I, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. And so I was getting ready to go to the grocery store. And you know how that is, mm -hmm. where you need two carts and spend hundreds of dollars yeah. on oh, yeah. all the food. <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, my phone rang as I was getting ready to leave. And it was a phone call from my doctor the week before I had gone in because I had a tiny ulcer on my tongue mm -hmm. that just wouldn't go away. Mm -hmm. And no big deal. 
uh, except it turned out to be a very big deal. My doctor called that morning, very simply said, I'm sorry, Michelle, it's not good news. It's not good. Mm-hmm. And I found out that moment, I was 39 years old. Again, mom, very healthy, very active. Mm-hmm. And I found out I had squamous cell carcinoma of the tongue, which is cancer of the wow. tongue. Now, I didn't even know that was something yeah. that existed. It wasn't even on my radar. I, I have a degree in nursing, so I've been a nurse. I've done this, but it just wasn't even in the realm of mm. possibility for me. On top of that, I've made my living as a speaker, a, community, a presenter, and also a uh, presenting coach. So mm-hmm. I train other speakers to present. Mm. Uh, so this was devastating on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. It was impacting me and what I do for a living, kind of my identity. It was impacting me as a mom and a wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then there was the whole C word, the cancer Mm -hmm. word at 39. And so uh, it really was pretty uh, overwhelming, that initial diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened over the next couple of weeks is it turned out to be kind of a best case scenario with cancer. Uh, caught early. They did a small surgery to remove that section of my tongue. At the end of it, my doctor said, hey, we had clean margins. Everything looks good. You don't have to worry about this. So we put cancer on the shelf and never expected to see it again. In the middle of all that, as I'm wrestling through uh, all the fear and overwhelm related to that kind of diagnosis, we got a phone call from a relative telling us about three kids with a parent with a history of uh, addiction. I'll just kind of leave it that way. It's a relative. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they were twin four-year-olds and a five-year-old. And so this relative let us know, hey, would you take them? Now, let me just pause for a moment because it's really easy as we're talking about this to make it out to be some kind of fairy tale. Mm -hmm. But let me be really honest. Mm -hmm. I had just raised three teenage boys. Mm -hmm. Glory, hallelujah, I was ready to be done with parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like, I've, because, I've done my time. <laughs> I have done my time. Three mm-hmm. teenage boys. Anybody out there listening, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh my gosh, I never want to do that again. And yet here was somebody saying, hey, I know you just finished running an excruciating marathon, but we want you to run it a second time. Mm-hmm. And so my initial response was like, um, no, mm-hmm. no, thank you. Uh, and yet, as I wrestled through my cancer diagnosis, my thought was, you know, these are three kids who woke up every day afraid, afraid mm-hmm. for their life, afraid for their reality in constant conflict with their hard circumstances. And uh, it struck me that what if cancer and facing my own uh, mortality had actually mm-hmm. prepared me to walk mm-hmm. these sweet little ones mm-hmm. through their own fear. Mm-hmm. And so the next day we went and picked them up and brought them home and started parenting all over again. Uh, the only thing is, and we'll speed through this last part, uh, is that I thought that was, oh, look at this nice, happy ending. I had mm-hmm. cancer. I'm cured. We've taken three kids. Now we're going to be this big, happy family mm-hmm. that's serving Jesus. And it all looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Only that's not what happened. In the years that followed, we had all kinds of challenges with three kids that had a history of severe abuse and neglect. So if you have any experience with trauma, pretty significant trauma that we brought into our home. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, we had uh, you know one of our three older boys still living at home that was going through his teen years. We've mm-hmm. already talked about that. Mm-hmm. My dad was diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer and died in a 13-month span. Mm-hmm. And on top of all of that, uh, my cancer came back. Uh, that cancer of the tongue came back, not just once, but two more times. And the most serious, uh, the last time it came back, it was 
so aggressive that they basically gave me two weeks to get my affairs in order, put me in the hospital, did a nine-hour surgery to remove two-thirds of my tongue. Also, I did an incision on my neck to take out lymph nodes, my submandibular glands, cut open my arm and my leg to kind of, you know, basically they had to kind of take me apart and then take different parts of my body to put me back together again. And then after that, they started intensive radiation and chemotherapy. And without going into detail, when you do radiation, when you start shooting radiation at the head and neck, at the face, the throat, all of that, the uh, impact is devastating, devastating. So by the time all of a sudden done, I had a feeding tube for almost six months. I had a tracheostomy for almost two to keep me from choking, help me to breathe. I had burns from nose to chest on the inside and out. I had to learn how to eat, drink, talk, function, swallow again. And in the middle of that, I'm still raising these three young kids that have such a hard, hard history. And so all of that, and life has continued since with more hard things. Mm-hmm. That's what led me to write this book because mm-hmm. I have for about 30 years now been living in the tension between what our desire for faith or our desire to believe in the good and present and loving God looks like when you're experiencing unrelenting suffering and God seems anything but present or good. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing your story because it really is so much. And, you know, I think it's, it's like when they say it rains, it pours, but it's like that times a thousand. It's like when it rains at hurricanes, you know? Um, And, you know, I think so many people listening have had situations in their life where they feel like, gosh, could it get any worse? And then it does, you know, or I finally think I've overcome it. And then something out of the left field comes and just flips your world upside down again, as soon as you think you're catching your breath. And it's like exhausting, you know? So just, just your honesty in that is, and your, your testimony in that is just so powerful and so encouraging. Cause I know so many people are in that place where they're just like in the middle of it and just feeling like one thing after another goes wrong and it's just, or, or it's just hard. Maybe it's not even going wrong. It's just hard, you know? And it's like, yes, it's just piles on and it can get so heavy. And so I'm just, I'm thankful that you wrote a book about this concept, like a faith that won't fail, because I think sometimes when we're in it, it's like, how is this, how am I supposed to be sustained? You know, like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Exactly. A lot of people get a happy ending. So I'm Mm -hmm. not discounting that. There are some people that have a hard thing and they pray and they did Mm -hmm. a miracle and it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But from what I've experienced in the conversations I've had over the years is there are more of us Mm -hmm. who don't get the red bow on top Mm -hmm. that live with unresolved pain or grief or difficulty, or even if we get one miracle, we don't get another. And uh, like, for example, I'm still here. I'm Mm -hmm. cancer-free at the moment. And I have been for seven years now, I think, Mm -hmm. eight years, which is wonderful. But I live with chronic pain and a permanent functional disability. And uh, it makes my quality of life significantly diminish. And Mm -hmm. now those kids that I took in are 16, 16, and 16. So just take a moment to (laughs) imagine what that reality. And that is, you know, it's one thing to talk about faith and theory. It's one thing Mm -hmm. to read nice scriptures or do a nice Mm -hmm. Bible study. It's another thing to work it out in the middle of a very complex and unresolved life. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. It's like, yeah, it's theoretically versus like, oh, it's really being tested. This you is know? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, absolutely. When you have to put pen to paper, it's a whole different thing. Okay, so I want to ask this question. So in your book, you share 10 practices that helped you walk through what I would say is like mm-hmm. immeasurable suffering. Can you share some of those with us? Because I think this is really critical for those of us who are like, what do I even do now? You know? Yeah, exactly. 
Well, I want to begin by saying, you know, the word practices can sound like homework. I, I want to reframe that because mm-hmm. this isn't homework. Mm-hmm. The practices are less about doing and more about being. So let's be really clear. When I was at the the depths of the darkness, which I was there for a long time, we're not talking a couple of hard weeks, we're talking years, okay? When I was there, uh, I didn't need anybody to tell me to read my Bible and pray more. That was not going to be helpful. Um, I needed things that were accessible to somebody that was at the end of her rope. And so these practices, again, are less about doing and more about being present to the work that God has already done. All right. So some of these practices are, well, first of all, all of these practices are things that actually were helpful to me. If they weren't helpful to me, I didn't employ them because I'm not going to throw you yeah. a lifeline that doesn't work. Right, right. <laughs> so, no, that's good. so they're all ones that I use. And on top of that, they're somewhat unconventional. They're not your typical. So mm-hmm. uh, the first practice is a practice of lament, which is basically the vocalization of grace. Then we have the practice of worship and humility, uh, which again, humility is in short order these days. Not many people have it. Yeah. And, um, the practice of relinquishment or letting go. What does that really look like? The practice of perspective, the practice mm-hmm. of shalom, mm-hmm. the practice of contentment, forgiveness, connection, and finally, uh, the practice of waiting, which I always want to groan when I say that one, the practice of waiting and, and what those look like on a day-to-day basis. I think, you know, something that you just said is so important. Well, and I want to ask a question about the lament because I think for so long when I, especially when I was kind of in this season of like, oh my gosh, I feel like this isn't, this is like not a, this nothing is resolving, you know? I think I really struggled with the idea of lament because I thought, and I want your take on this, that, you know, this process of lament is something that you're supposed to do in like an hour or a day, you know, like the whole process. And I feel like what I kind of learned, like the, like first you lament and then at least my takeaway from a lot of the things I learned was then you kind of like you surrender it to the Lord, right? And I felt like it took me a long time. Like I thought if I lamented for like an hour, then I'd be able to be like, okay, you know, here you go, God. And I yeah. feel like it took, yeah. <laughs> like checkbox, right? Right, Check, right, <laughs> right. And I'm like, I feel like that process actually took like, I, I feel like it took like weeks to get to that point or like it wasn't just like all in like a, this really neat and tidy little practice of like now I'm going to lament like it's actually like this like it, it's a, it, when you really work it out it, it can take weeks or months to really get to yes. a point where you really want yes. it through I'd be curious if you had a similar experience oh absolutely in fact I think weeks would be quick for me mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. taken me years in yeah. fact a couple of examples earlier today I had a moment where I just felt the tears and by the way I'm not someone who just cries all the time mm-hmm. I'm a pretty mm-hmm. happy person mm-hmm. and my closest friends know me as somebody who has humor and laughs mm-hmm. a lot and all of this But the grief is real. And so I had a moment earlier and I had to just let it be what it is. Mm -hmm. Today happens to be my dad's birthday. He Mm -hmm. would have been, let's see, uh, 79 years old today. He's Mm -hmm. been gone for nine years now. And it's been nine years. And yet uh, I still feel the lament over the fact that there were things that we never got to resolve, things that we never got to talk through, things that we never got to get full healing for. Mm -hmm. Lament is very simply a vocalization of our desperate condition, okay? Our vocalization of grief, it's giving voice to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we ever lose touch with the fact that we are desperate, we are in desperate need of saving, mm-hmm. then we've lost something, mm-hmm. right? We've lost something of truth. Yeah. And so allowing ourselves to just say, gosh, 
right now, this moment, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And that's all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll feel better maybe an hour from now or a week from now or a year from now, or maybe it won't always last. But to tell the truth about it uh, is so critical to a faith that will not fail because mm-hmm. it's honest. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Okay. One other thing I want to ask about lament, if you don't mind, if I dig into this a little bit more. Go, oh, I, um, I mean, go for it. Yeah. I believe strongly in this. And honestly, yeah. it's been something that faith circles, the church, big C church has not done a very good job in modern times yeah. of, a, of teaching us how to do this well. Yeah. So we can talk about this all day. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. Okay. So I want to just dive into like, what is the purpose of lament and what does that practice actually look like? Because like I said, I think I had this idea that like, you know, oh, it's just gonna, <laughs> it's just gonna be like this hour long thing and then we'll be good. And I've really had to kind of dig into that deeper, but what do you, what would you say is the purpose of it? And what is the practice of lament truly look like yeah. in practice? Totally. Uh, well, lament has two, I would say it's a dual purpose. There's an individual purpose and there's a corporate purpose. Mm-hmm. Individual purposes, you know, lament that we do privately ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I think there's value in corporate lament. And we see that in the book of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah and the Israelites come back from captivity mm-hmm. and they rebuild the wall around Jerusalem mm-hmm. and they are mourning. We see it in Ezra as well. They're mourning mm-hmm. what has happened over the decades and centuries to lead them to this place of devastation Mm -hmm. and they lament together. We see God's people doing that together. That's one thing that we don't do very well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm thinking, for example, uh, lately we had so many shootings, right? And there was one in Nashville not long ago, Mm -hmm. another one in Texas. And I would love to see our churches where we take 10 minutes at the beginning of the church for all of us to mourn that corporately, collectively. Uh, There's a beautiful uh, unifying purpose of us coming together and saying, God, we don't have the solution here. We don't. It's like what King Jehoshaphat says in 2 Chronicles 20. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are new. That's the vocalization of our desperate condition. Now, individually, um, and this you know, there's some overlap individually, as I've already mentioned, it's basically telling the truth about our pain, mm-hmm. right? It's always, lament is always demonstrative, expressive. In, in other words, it can't be something you just stuff down in your gut. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. We have to give voice to it. Mm-hmm. The purpose of that, there's multiple different purposes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it uh, acknowledges the truth of our need, mm-hmm. that our grief is beyond our ability to solve right? It's there. It's going to God with our grief. In other words, we're choosing not to just complain to a friend, but we're really taking it to the only person that has the power to do something about it and the width and breadth to be able to hold it for us, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes our grief is so big, Mm -hmm. our friends can't carry it. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they almost. Like, I've, I've literally had people at times, and well-meaning, but just saying like, "Can we talk about something else?" Like they don't even know yes, what to exactly. do at some point. It's like beyond their capacity. Yeah, I noticed that after my last round. You know, when my physically I was burned, I was down to one hundred and ten pounds. You know, I was like mm-hmm. skin and bones. My friends couldn't tolerate the depth mm-hmm. of my grief. The mm-hmm. only person that has the the strength, the width, the breadth, the ability, the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And the power to do something about it is God himself. That's it. Mm -hmm. So it puts us in the right relationship with somebody who has the ability to affect our pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then three, it 
also acknowledges our humble position. In other words, it puts God in the right position of God, the sovereign God, the powerful God, Mm -hmm. and puts us at the position of the child, Mm -hmm. right? It also is often, this is a fourth purpose of lament, it's the first step to healing. Uh, Think in terms, back when I was a nurse, I worked, uh, I did volunteer work at a children's burn hospital. Mm-hmm. And trust me when I say that's horrific, it's yeah. awful. Oh but part of the process of healing from a burn is debriding the dead tissue, mm-hmm. right? You have to get rid of what is dead mm-hmm. and old in order for new flesh to grow. Mm-hmm. And lament is somewhat, I, that's kind of a horrific example, but I, it's a beautiful example at the same time. That's what lament does. It helps us basically debride all of the death and pain and suffering and loss and slowly start to um, swipe that away so that way new life can grow. And so it's a necessary step to healing. Wow. Thank you for explaining that so thoroughly. And also in like a really, not only easy to understand way, but like powerful way, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. so good and so true. I think when many people think about lament, they may think about loss, which is obviously, you know, something to lament. But in your book, you also talk about lamenting the unexpected life, like when life doesn't go how you thought. Why do you think it's so important to give ourselves time to grieve the unexpected, even if it's not like someone Mm -hmm. passed Mm -hmm. away? Well, the <laughs> I'll tell you that my gut level first response is because this is what I tried to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lament, lamenting the unexpected life keeps us to, from trying to over control our true reality into the dream that we once had. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so for example, one thing we didn't even talk about here is in my twenties, I was actually married uh, before. Mm-hmm. I was a pastor's wife. I was doing ministry, and by a series of circumstances that were outside of my control, I ended up divorced and single mom at 27, I believe. I had always dreamed of doing full-time ministry and being a pastor's wife. And here I was, 27 years old, a divorced single mom. And my new life didn't look anything like what my dream did. Mm -hmm. And so what happened when I married my husband, you know, 22 years, my current husband, 22 years ago, and we made a blended family. I, day after day, tried to force the blended family to look like my traditional family dream. And all that did was cause me to try to control everyone and everything around me to their deep frustration. (laughs) I'm sure, yeah. Right? So lamenting the unexpected life, or or like me, right now I live in this body that doesn't work like it used to. I only have 20 to 30% of my taste. If I keep trying to eat the way that I ate before, I will choke and it will cause problems. I need to lament what was so I can embrace what is. Yeah, Yeah, that's so good. Thank you for explaining that because, you know, I think it's so easy to think, oh, lament is only for those who are like grieving a loss or like going through a terrible diagnosis. But it's like, well, sometimes just when life doesn't look how you thought, there is like a releasing and a letting go and a loss to some degree of what you thought life was going to look like, what you hoped it would look like or what it used to look like, you know? And I think being honest about that is probably the best thing we can do and really to, to be able to move through it and not just try to stuff it, you know? Did you see? My new book, Embrace Your Almost, is officially out in the world, and I can't believe it's available to you anywhere books are sold. You can grab it from Amazon or Target or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. There's some special editions out there, too. Target has an exclusive edition. Barnes & Noble and Books A Million both have signed editions. 
And you can also get it at local independent bookstores. Anywhere books are sold, you should be able to find it. So if you are walking through a season of unmet expectations or disappointment or broken dreams or waiting or uncertainty, this book will bless your life. If you are not in one of those seasons, but you're just not entirely sure what's next for you, this book will bless your life. And if you have a loved one or a friend or a sister who's walking through a season like that, who's dealing with unmet expectations or broken dreams or uncertainty or waiting, this book will be such a great gift for her or something to pass on to her. So if that sounds like something you need or something a loved one in your life needs, grab a copy. Grab a copy from Amazon. Grab a copy from Barnes & Noble, from Target, from anywhere books are sold. I cannot wait to hear what you think. And I cannot wait to not only get this message in your hands, but also for you to pass on this message and share it because I believe it's more than a message. It's a movement. So as you listen, as you go about your day, I would love for you to put it in order, grab a copy and start reading as soon as it arrives at your door. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. 
Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Let's do a real practical, non-suffering related example. Let's just talk about mothering. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have so many dreams for what motherhood is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who still have newborns, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to burst your bubble, but, but for those of us who have had been parenting for a really long time, the truth is Mm -hmm. the reality of motherhood never quite lives up to the dream of motherhood Mm -hmm. because it's, we're dealing with humans and they're complex. And so we have the, you know, I had, five-year-old boys that terrorized their kindergarten teachers. That didn't look like the dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we had kids that made choices that were not what I would have them to make. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different ways in motherhood that we need to consistently lament the dream, mm-hmm. lament the ideal, lament, you know, we had these expectations that are unrealized. And that's important for us to embrace the children we actually have. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Same with our spouses, by the way. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when I was in a pretty long waiting season before motherhood, I had the, I think you can glamorize the thing you you long for, the thing you crave. And while it is absolutely full of joy, you know, I I think I was actually talking to a friend while I was still in the waiting season and she had had a long season of infertility and ended up having twins after like years and years. And, you know, I asked her, well, what's it like? Like, how is it now finally being on the other side? She's like, it's amazing. But also I have a really hard time like admitting that it's hard and it's been really hard having two, you know, and, and it hit me because I was like, you know, I think that's so true in so many situations. Like it reminded me of how I felt like once I got married, you know, like you're planning your wedding, you're thinking about having this like lifetime Mm -hmm. sleepover. Like you kind of are like so excited because you're so in love with this person. And then you get into marriage and a year in or a few months in or whatever, you start noticing like, oh, this is a hard thing. This is something. Yeah. And so like the expectations of what you thought don't always match reality, even if it's still something you you are thankful for. Right. So yes. it just kind of reminded me of that. And now being in my own season of like being a new mom and, and dealing with the joys and the hard things, you know, or not dealing yes. with, but experiencing it's like, Oh yeah, there's, this isn't like all, you know, like all that you can glamorize or expect it to be when, when it's something you want, but aren't experiencing. And it can be, yeah, I think that's a really good example of something that maybe is a little bit less is maybe it isn't necessarily maybe suffering, but it's challenging in its own way, you yeah, know? So it's still a loss, yeah. you know, it's still yeah. a small L loss mm-hmm. and things aren't quite as, let's talk about our bodies that mm-hmm. changes me yeah. older. You're not as old as me, but mm-hmm. I do not look like I'm 20 anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just 
all these little losses in the human experience. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to fall apart and be in the fetal position about everyone. That wouldn't be healthy Mm -hmm. either. But it's okay to just tell the truth that, gosh, it's a bummer that, Mm -hmm. you know, this did not turn out like I dreamed it was. Mm -hmm. I think the key part to realize about lament is lament allows us to open our hands, right, to what it is that is not the way we expect it. We open our hands, we give it to God. Uh, and I mean this in kind of a literal sense, we give it to him. But that opening of our hands allows us to receive what is, mm-hmm. right? And so kind of lament and relinquishment go together. Mm-hmm. But there has to be the opening, the releasing, the acknowledging the loss so then we can receive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. So good. Okay, so another thing I want to ask about is, you know, the Bible often says phrases like rejoice always or give thanks in all circumstances or don't be anxious about anything and consider it all joy and these different, you know, verses that speak to kind of uh, rejoicing and considering it all joy, even in challenging circumstances or trials. I would love to hear how do you reconcile that with the practice of lament? Is it possible to <laughs> yes. do both? You know, like when does joy in the midst of anything but joyful circumstances become like toxic positivity or like not yes. dealing with the hard thing? I'd be curious, you know, what your thought is on that. I think they are, this is such an important topic. And again, I think this is something we've often got wrong because we think that if we are sad or expressing grief, Mm -hmm. that we're not having enough faith. Mm -hmm. I think that is absolutely false. Mm -hmm. I think you can have grief and have faith, not sequentially, but simultaneously, Mm -hmm. that they actually happen together, that the Mm -hmm. presence of one enhances the other, mm, right? Yeah. So, you know, some of the verses that we often quote that make us think that we have to be happy all the time are things mm-hmm. like First Thessalonians 5, where Paul said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. And so we think that means that I need to say, oh, thank you, God, that I got cancer. Thank mm-hmm. you so much that I went through all of that pain. That is a misappropriation, I believe, of what Paul was saying there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not saying give thanks for all circumstances, but give thanks in all circumstances. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason that we can have thanks in all circumstances mm-hmm. is because we have a God of redemption that redeems it all. The circumstances itself is difficult. Like for the woman who lost her child, her two-year-old, mm-hmm. it would be cruel to tell her mm-hmm. she needs to give thanks for that circumstance. That's not fair. That's mm-hmm. masochistic. That's inhumane. That's mm-hmm. impossible. Mm-hmm. However, uh, we can give thanks that in all things that God is present, He cares, mm-hmm. He weeps and mourns with us, and He redeems all things. And so from that standpoint, we know that our suffering will not be wasted. Mm-hmm. Our suffering will not be in vain, uh, that he has the ability to redeem it all. And we don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know how. Mm -hmm. It's beyond our comprehension, but it still is true. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me give a personal example from my life. Uh, I am not at all happy about my losses, the suffering, all of it. In fact, there are some days where I'm just like, I still am like, God, seriously? Mm -hmm. Cut me a break here. Mm -hmm. I've had enough. It's been too much. Mm -hmm. However, you know, for example, with losing my speech, with losing my voice, mm-hmm. there was a time that my vocal cords were so burned that I couldn't make a sound for, I don't know, it was about a month. I had to use a dry erase board for all my communication. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing that I'm able to 
sit and talk with you today. Mm. But some of the losses from that is I used to be a singer. I used to travel and sing and do solos and sing in acapella groups and all of that. Mm. I can't sing worth a darn anymore. Mm. <laughs> I always feel bad for the people sitting in front of me at church because <laughs> I'm still loud and proud, but it just does not sound good. <laughs> um, but I want you to think for a moment. I had a beautiful voice before my vocal cords were burned and scarred. But how do you think the sound of my voice sounds now to God's ears when mm-hmm. I choose to sing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not easy. My losses are still present. I'm still lamenting my losses. Mm-hmm. But I do make a choice to say, but I still believe in you, God. And I mm-hmm. sing that from the, the top of my lungs in church mm-hmm. on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And this is how I kind of marry this lament and worship together or lament and joy together is that truly when we can choose to still believe Mm -hmm. in God's goodness, even when we can't feel him Mm -hmm. or see him, or we don't know how it's going to work out in the end, Mm -hmm. that is the most beautiful kind of praise, Mm -hmm. the kind of praise that comes from the place of our pain. Mm -hmm. So good. So true. I think there's so much there that I'm like, which, what do I want to touch on? But I mean, I'm just like over here, like, yeah, amen. Like, it's so true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of in that same vein, I think something else that I'm curious about is this idea of relinquishment, because I think this is really critical when, especially when you're in this place of like, I've lost my singing voice or I've lost, I've, I'm grieving some sort mm-hmm. of loss, whether it's, unex, you know, un, uh, um, expectations or just the loss of how what my body used to look like or the loss of my voice or the loss of something bigger, you know, but I know in your, I, I think, you know, you talk about this like practice of relinquishment and I'm mm-hmm. curious, like, how do we cultivate this open handedness, this open handed living when we are like in this place of like, but I've lost so much or I've lost this mm-hmm. thing that was so mm-hmm. important and special to me. And now it doesn't sound the same. Oh, relinquishment. By the way, I'm a, I'm a class A control freak. I am so good at controlling the people and circumstances in my life. I'm like a type A firstborn overachiever. I mean, you just, all of these stereotypes, that would be me. Uh, so relinquishment is painful for me. I think behind our need to control is really fear. Mm. We're scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got cancer for the first time, I was so scared it would come back that I completely overhauled my diet. I took all kinds of supplements. I exercised constantly. I did everything I could to control and keep cancer from coming back. And it came back anyway. This idea of relinquishment, you know, it's so important that we understand the difference between giving up and relinquishing and trusting God. There's a big difference. They may sound the same on surface level, but they're very different. Giving up is to say, Uh, It's just not possible. I'm just going to give up. I'm not even going to try anymore. Relinquishment is saying, I have no idea how this horrible thing can be worked for good, but you know, God, and so I'm giving it to you. I'm allowing you to unfold this Mm -hmm. the way only you know it can unfold Mm -hmm. in a way that's good for me, for the gospel, for everything. The, The key with relinquishment is you can only relinquish or the only smart way to relinquish is to somebody that has the uh, omnipotence and the wisdom and the infinite love and the perfect justice and mercy mm-hmm. uh, you, it, to relinquish to somebody who is all of those things, all grace, mm-hmm. all truth, all love, all power, all righteousness. Mm-hmm. Now that's a smart move to relinquish to anything else, including yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just foolishness. Mm-hmm. Because we have no ability to save ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. 
So true. Okay. One other question I have that's kind of related is the practice of Shalom. So you've shared these practices. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like is the importance or what would you say is the importance of Sabbath rest and how can we incorporate this into our life, especially Mm -hmm. when we are in Mm -hmm. such a hard season that just feels like it's hitting us from all sides? Mm-hmm. Shalom is uh, the Old Testament word for peace, but it's really more than peace. Okay, so shalom isn't just a temporary feeling of peacefulness, which is how we usually think of it. We think of shalom, peace, as just being this temporary peacefulness, which, you know, you could get by binging some comedy on Netflix, you can feel good. <laughs> but that's not really the kind of peace we need. What shalom is, is a sense of our wholeness with God, our completeness, our wholeness, our, our um, basically just that um, whole, we're at peace with who we are in Christ, this whole wholeness with God. Well, the irony of, of um, us as humans is we think we have to work toward our wholeness, Mm -hmm. right? We're all about the hard work. Mm -hmm. We need to earn it. We need to prove ourselves. We need to be good. Mm -hmm. We need to check all the boxes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to, we better be busting our tails trying to be really good Christians and do everything right and avoid all the wrongs. Mm -hmm. Um, However, shalom can't be something that we achieve, Mm -hmm. right? Shalom is a sense of the rightness we have with God because of what Jesus has already done. And so Sabbath rest, this ability to stop our achieving, to stop our working, stop our striving, Mm -hmm. stop all of our efforts to prove that we can earn, achieve, uh, overcome all that, to stop it and just sit Mm -hmm. in the reality of the beautiful creative work that God has done, creative and redemptive work he's done. That's why Sabbath rest goes so tightly Mm -hmm. with this whole practice of shalom, because Mm -hmm. the truth is, we could work every day, all day for our entire lives, and we could never earn our way, mm-hmm. way to wholeness. Yeah, yeah. But in Him, we're whole. So good. I, I mean, that was that is like perfectly teeing me up for my last question because I feel like <laughs> a lot of people are listening and going in through just going through it, right? And mm-hmm. I think the the question we're all wondering, and I, I think it kind of is exactly what you just said, but I'd be curious if you'd expand on that at all or if you would add anything, but. I think some of us wonder, like, how do you just keep going and keep fighting and keep trusting mm-hmm. when you're just so completely worn out? Like, how does spiritual surrender look different from giving up completely? Yeah. Ooh, that's such an important question. I mean, give you an answer that you probably don't expect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some days we just don't have it to keep going. Mm-hmm. And on those days, I think we need to do things like rest, mm-hmm. stop, mm-hmm. Uh, sit. I think of the story of Elijah in the Old Testament after he, you know, he's this prophet. He's doing all kinds of good stuff for God. He's working hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a good guy who loves mm-hmm. God and is doing really hard, mm-hmm. radical things uh, at his own cost, right? Mm-hmm. He is so much on the front lines of fighting for the name of God. Mm-hmm. And at some point, even after doing performing these fantastic miracles, mm-hmm. Uh, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel are so irritated with him. By the way, they Mm -hmm. did not worship the one true God. They Mm -hmm. were just the worst. And they put a price on his life, like a price on his head. They're going to kill him. And Elijah is like, God, seriously, I've been doing all this good stuff for you. And now I have to run for my life. And so he runs, 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 runs away, trying to not be killed. And he ends up by this river and he lays down, collapses basically out of exhaustion. 
And he says, I'm paraphrasing. I can't do it anymore. Uh, you know, I wish I'd never been born. I can't, mm -hmm. I, I can't bear the thought of living. And mm -hmm. I so resonate with that because I've been in that place where I hit the point where I did not have the ability to think through how I could wake up tomorrow and do it all over mm -hmm. again. I just was at the end. Mm -hmm. I, it's not that I wanted to die, but I couldn't bear the thought of living. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important mm -hmm. for the person out there right now that feels that way. And what's mm -hmm. so interesting, Elijah reaches that place. He's laying down, collapsed. He has nothing left to give. Mm -hmm. He wants to give up, basically. Mm -hmm. And God sends his angels to him to attend to him and tells him to eat, drink, and rest. And he simply says these words. You can look it up in the story of Elijah. He says, the journey is too much for you. Now, that's important because that's not what we've been told when we hear the cliche, God never gives you more than yeah. you can handle. Mm -hmm. That's a load of garbage. Yeah, it's he just totally garbage. gives you more than you can handle. <laughs> okay? Totally. I've had more than I can handle more than once. Mm -hmm. And to hear God say the journey is too much for you. I mm -hmm. think that's so important for those of you who are listening, who are at your end. There are days that the journey is going to be too much for you. But mm -hmm. guess what? God never sleeps. The Bible says he never slumbers and sleeps. You can rest and let him do the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let him carry you. Let him show up and feed you and nourish you and give you rest. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take, mm -hmm. take my yoke upon you. So just curl up mm -hmm. <laughs> next to Jesus. Allow him to be the heavy lifter. Mm -hmm. You don't have to figure it all out today. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go memorize the whole New Testament today. Mm -hmm. You can just rest. The journey is too much for you. Mm -hmm. Get something to eat. Mm -hmm. Get yourself a big old glass of water. Take a nap. Do something to care for yourself and trust mm -hmm. that the one who has prayed for you and knows how hard the journey is for you, he's mm -hmm. going to carry you. Mm -hmm. So good. So encouraging. I'm like, okay, let's just end on that note because that's what we all need to hear, right? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. 100%. So good. 100%. Yes. Uh, so good. Okay. So here's what everyone wants to know. Where can they get your book <laughs> and where can they <laughs> learn more and follow you if they, I mean, I just know everyone's been so encouraged. So where can they find you? Oh, where can they get your book? Thank you. Well, you can get the book anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, ChristianBook.com, Target.com, all everywhere books are sold. You can also get it on my website. The best place to connect with me Social media wise, I'm mostly on Instagram and mm -hmm. Facebook. I have a Facebook page. So mm -hmm. always connect with me there. I try to do some live videos and things just to talk about these issues on a day-to-day basis. So you can connect with me there. Mm -hmm. But you can also, I mean, the easiest place is my website. So michellecouchette.com. Mm -hmm. It's Michelle with one L, Couchette with two Ts. And I have tons of free resources all kinds of things to help resource you in the middle of wrestling with what real faith looks like in the middle of your very real life. Oh, so good. Michelle, thank you for being here. Thanks for everything you've shared. I know I feel encouraged. I know I'm walking away like, oh, I needed to hear that. Even you know, even when you're not in like a season of tons of difficulty, just like it's like it's like fuel for when you know that you will inevitably be yeah. in another season of difficulty, you know? So thank and you. And let's for be clear, just ordinary life is hard. Yeah. I mean, some days just getting the kids where they need to go and making dinner is yeah, like overwhelming. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Well, thank you so much for all the encouragement and wisdom and honesty and truth that you've shared. It's just been really mm -hmm. refreshing. And I just, I know so many will be blessed by it. So we can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you, my friend. It's been so fun being with you. I've loved our time together. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. 
So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy.